Coming up on this episode of the Southeast Michigan Podcast, Michigan travels East Lansing and obliterates Michigan State and retains the Paul Bunyan Trophy. And then we'll spend the second half talking about Connor Stallions and the Michigan program and my honest take on where we go from here. Coming up next. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Southeast Michigan Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast at, you can get it for free. So, like, share, subscribe, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All that info is in the description box below. And then you can um, go back to last week's episode, the uh, Michigan State Preview, and find my YouTube channel where you can watch all the Michigan hype videos you want to your heart's content. <clears throat> Again, I, I'm gonna apologize uh, before we uh, go any further. I, I think it was back the, after the Nebraska game. I got like a head cold, and you know, couldn't stop clearing my throat, coughing or whatever. And here we go. We're in for round two here. You know, after Saturday morning, I started to get uh, sick again. So if I sign sound a bit nasally, I do again apologize. It's just uh, one thing after another here, just uh, right when I started feeling 100% after that Indiana game, getting in this Michigan State game, and I'm starting to feel like crap again. But anyways, let's get into it. We are going to, we got a lot to get to, but first we're going to talk about the Michigan State game. Like, that's all That's all that we have going on in the world. My, obviously my thumbs up, my thumbs down, the, the regular, regular routine. And then we're going to get into... <clears throat> the the science stealing uh, alleged scandal because about ten minutes after three o'clock this afternoon Pete Thamel dropped another update and of course it's got social media and Twitter especially just running rampant with uh, hot takes from every corner of the universe and uh, it ju- it's j- I understand but it's also irritating because some of these. Some of these opinions and takes are just coming from absolute douchebags um, that have a huge following, like guys from Barstool and whatnot. But like I said, let's get into the Michigan State game. <coughs> that's why we're, uh, or that's what we're gonna start out with. But like I said, we're gonna attack this like we got no sideshow, <laughs> you know, stories going on. So Michigan travels into East Lansing. And absolutely obliterates the Spartans, 49 nothing. Didn't even really allow them to show any signs of life outside of like one or two medium game plays. Michigan, you know, looked to almost maybe give up a field goal towards the end of the game, but the, the defense stiffened and Michigan State, uh, Michigan State just couldn't get any points on the board regardless. So, kind of like, um, how a few of these conference games have gone this year, just not much to really hate on. But, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy, 21 of 27, 287 yards passing, four touchdowns. <coughs> Blake Corum, 
again, the second week with not a lot of yards, around 50 yards, 15 carries, one touchdown. A.J. Barner had a breakout game, eight catches, 99 yards, one touchdown. Colson Loveland, four receptions, 79 yards, two touchdowns. So the tight ends just did absolute work, did a lot of damage. And uh, their size, speed, athleticism, all that stuff just were, were no match for Michigan State. They, they were just outgunned, outmanned. Um, the one the one Michigan State linebacker that was covering Colson Lovin a lot of the times, I mean, he the dude looked like he was built like a long snapper. Had no business being on number 18, but I ain't complaining. Roman Wilson, two catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Mike Sander, or excuse me, Mikey Sander still logs another pick six. Uh, one thought that maybe he would have st- stepped out of bounds on that one, but uh, call stood, got that pick six, and um, posed a little Palm Bunyan uh, picture-esque uh, style uh, yeah, pose there at the end. Um, and then Jaden McBurrows had his first career interception. I believe that's his first career inter- interception. Um, and if you guys don't know who Jaden McBurrows is, he was one of the two uh, Michigan players last year that got uh, jumped in uh, the tunnel incident. So kind of a, a, a rebuttal on his end for uh, for paying him back there. But So those are some stat lines. <coughs> All right, so thumbs up. Love, love, love the ass kicking. Love it. Michigan State, like I said last in, in the show last week, hate the Spartans. Loathe, I just, as much as I love Ohio State's fans, you know, and soaking up the misery, God, I just this this is just equally satisfying, if not more. Love beating Michigan State and love kicking their ass at home and essentially taking the crowd out of it by halftime or mid second quarter. Um, again, tight ends galore. AJ Barner had a breakout game and it was uh, really good to see because AJ Barner underutilized at Indiana and uh, you know this year he's been kind of sparingly targeted. I mean, he gets rotated just as much as, as any other position, you know, with Colson Loveland. And, you know, they, they find ways to give him the ball in this game. They must have seen something on tape, um, you know, in preparation for this where, you know, Michigan State just were outgunned and outmanned um, up the seams because they, they were just getting eaten alive. Should have been 35 at halftime. There was a, a pre-snap penalty there, you know, because A.J. Barner would have had two touchdowns himself. Um so Michigan settled for 28 and South 35 going into uh, the tunnel for half. Um, you know, J.J. was slinging the rock through the smallest of windows. Some of them, I mean, were right behind Michigan State defenders' helmets. You know, Todd Blackledge, who was, you know, the the color guy on this broadcast, you know, was basically, uh, you know, saying it was going right by his ear. I mean, but it literally was. J.J. was zipping the ball all over the place. And uh, he's shown that through parts of last year, too, where if uh, defenders don't get their head turned around, the ball's going to go right by them. And, uh, you know, he he definitely fit the ball in some tight-knit spots. Um, held Michigan State 250 yards rushing. It was 49 to be exact. So that was uh, nice to see. So basically didn't allow him to do anything. I, I do give credit to Nathan Carter, uh, Michigan State's first-string running back. He's formerly of UConn, so Michigan played him last year when he was uh, a Husky. You know, he for being uh, not the biggest guy, I think he was, was like 185 pounds, for not being the biggest guy on the field, and he kept his legs churning. He uh, he was running hard, giving a lot of effort, but Michigan 
<clears throat> held him in check for uh, for most of the time, um, and then also held Michigan State to to ten first downs. So I thought that was huge. Didn't let them get uh, a fourth down at all. I think maybe Michigan State got one fourth down. Let me see here. No, so oh, Michigan State was zero for three on fourth down, six to sixteen on third down. So you know Michigan again didn't allow much to happen here. Um, that's all I really have there for thumbs up. Let's see here. Um, let's get into thumbs down. So the thumbs down again, not a lot. Again, honestly, not much to hate really all these last few weeks at all outside of you know the obviously airing out our frustrations about the run game at times and and Donovan Edwards uh efficiency behind you know carrying between the tackles but um you know other than some penalties that piled up late in the game but mostly because of the backups were in I mean nothing crazy here I not much I really uh disprove of this at all uh Again, you know, last week I mentioned didn't like JJ being in there on thirty-five to seven, whatever, against Indiana. You know, on a designed run, but I was a little upset he got pulled out a little too early in this game. Or, but it was really about the same time. But thought maybe at least uh, give him one more drive. But, uh, but obviously make play calls where he didn't have to uh, necessarily use his feet on uh, the initial play call, but. Throw the rock a few more times, hand the ball a few more times, but neither here nor there. So overall thoughts, you know, I've already, I have it down here again, but like you obviously have got the, got the point that I don't like Michigan State. So, you know, Michigan didn't feed into the chippiness. I know, you know, Michigan State players were, it honestly wasn't bad, but there was a few times where, you know, there's some pushing and shoving going on. Number 58 for Michigan State, you know, did a really Really nasty stunt, pulled an egregious move on uh, Brandon McGregor. Brandon McGregor was laying on the ground, and Michigan State's player literally lowers the crown of his helmet into McGregor's, the back of his neck. And if, I swear, I feel like if McGregor was wearing one of those F7 helmets where the back of the head, the neck area, isn't always quite uh, covered up. It's, more, it's exposed a little bit more than the, uh, the Speed Flex helmets. Feel like that probably would have uh, uh, done some more damage there in terms of uh, maybe concussion, maybe getting him out of the game, getting his bell rung. And if you guys don't know what F seven helmets look like, it's F seven is the style helmet that like Blake Corn wears, where it's <clears throat> made by Shut, and you have that little rectangular plate that goes down the middle of the helmet, and then the Speed Flex is. Like ninety nine percent of what everyone else wears, where you have, uh, you know, it's what JJ McCarthy wears. You have that little, uh, those little notches in the front, and now they have another another helmet that Donovan Edwards wears called like the Speed Flex Edge or something like that. It's like the new version of Speed Flex, and you basically have no face mask anymore. It's just usually a visor. And I think an Indiana player defensive lineman last week was wearing that helmet that. I mentioned that Edwards wears it, but he didn't have a visor on it, so he basically has nothing blocking his face, which I thought was pretty wild to see a defensive lineman not even have a visor up. Because you're, I mean, you're just begging for hands to the face there. Either way, <clears throat> Brandon McGregor was laying on the ground, and number 58 uh, pulls a cheap shot. And, you know, Michigan, 
Under Jim Harbaugh, I haven't really seen too many cheap shots, honestly. I mean, outside the Ohio State one, you had some chippiness in the 21, but like it's really been since like the Taylor Lewan days where Michigan has been pretty squeaky clean since then. Um, so, as, as again, it was good to see them not giving in to uh, the temptation to, you know, get carried away. Um, let's see. All three phases, beautiful. James Turner didn't kick a field goal, seven extra points. And, uh, you know, and it was 49 nothing. I was kind of hoping they were going to score a, few, a couple more times, but not greedy. 49 nothing is still, is still nice to look at. Um, well, let's go to that, – that's pretty much it from the Michigan State game. Let's get into uh, games around the NCAA. Uh, OSU, they grinded out against Penn State, kind of a back-and-forth defensive game. I, uh, I watched a lot of this, <coughs> but once, uh, you know, both my kids had soccer games early Saturday morning, and it was raining, and hence part of the, probably the reason why I'm, I'm, you know, sick under the weather is, uh, standing in that, uh, in that crap, but, you know, I laid on the couch, and when you, I don't know what it is, just something when you have kids, it's like once you lay your head back, it's just, it's game over. And at my age, it, that's what it is anymore. So I was kind of in and out, but uh, I did watch the majority of this game and I'm not really impressed with either team. And I'm not trolling. I'm not um, trying to sound biased towards Michigan or anything or, or to, to be a hater, but uh, we'll start with Penn State. Um, I thought Drew, Drew Aller looked skittish the, the whole time. You know, he was getting pressured up up the middle quite a bit. And I felt like when he was on time with the throws, the ball was either getting dropped or Ohio State was making a play on it. <coughs> um, and, you know, he'd roll out and he'd just throw it out of bounds. It just seemed like the timing and everything was off. I thought James Franklin called a pretty, pretty – uh, I don't know. He just didn't call a good game. And, you know, he we've seen this from James Franklin during his time here. Um, you know, like, I don't know if, again, if he was just not trusting Drew Aller or, like I said, like Josiah mentioned about the, the pressure up the middle. Like, maybe he just didn't feel like it was worth it. But, like, on third and five, third and six, third and eight, he's running the ball. And it's like uh, – and obvious passing downs, it seems like he was just trying to get a quick hitter there and catch Ohio State off guard, but he didn't. Ohio State read it like a book. And they were all over him. You know, Ohio State, out of both these teams, has got the more veteran defense. And uh, like I said, we were going to learn a lot about these teams uh, watching this game uh, because Penn State has, kind of like Michigan, has had uh, an easy go of it. I think Penn State's had a slightly easier schedule so far. And, uh, you know, Drew Aller and the offenses look good since then, but they were they were desperately looking for a number one wide receiver in this one, and there was no reliable target, no true uh, clean-cut guy that gets in, in open space and, and helps him out. And, yeah, it showed. Um, but let's get to Ohio State. Ohio State, you know, they're lucky to have Marv, man. Maserati Marv, as uh, Gus Johnson said, one too many times in my opinion. But... Uh, you know, it seems like if McCord isn't linking up with him, or you know, casually hitting Kate Stover from here, from here and there, 
this offense isn't that impressive to me. Um, the running game at times this season has just not been um, has not been consistent. Or you could say, make the argument that it's just not used enough. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, Calvin Court said in his postgame, he said that they're on the brink of exploding. They're on the brink of of uh, hitting their stride. But, uh, you know, I kind of agree, agree with him. As of right now, the offense just isn't, uh, it doesn't obviously doesn't match to the last two years with C.J. Stroud, and especially last year. But it just seems like if uh, they're not hitting – Marvin Harrison or, or Cade Stover, just this kind of like blah. Um, and that's my last take. Um, but a, a, a top 10 win at home, they got, you know, you can have your flowers, man. You guys beat two top 10 teams. Congratulations. Um, Washington beat Arizona State 15 to 7 in, in, in fugly fashion. Um, didn't watch this one. And Penix Jr. threw two interceptions. This is one of the two quarterbacks this weekend that was in the Heisman campaign running um, to really to taper off a bit here. Uh, you know, like I said, Arizona State was one and five, and uh, they were either leading for a brief period or uh, the game was knotted up. I, I want to say they were they're leading the first half at some point, but uh, Washington ekes this out at the very end, but. Uh, not a great showing, especially at home. Uh, Oklahoma also squeaks out a stinker versus uh, UCF. Uh, again, didn't watch this one either because really it was basically me watching the Ohio State Penn State game. You, uh, you, uh, UFC, yeah, UFC up into the Michigan game. So uh, I was watching the 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 commercial breaks that they take to to scope around and. You know, three uh, three point win against uh, the the Knights here. Uh, not that not that impressive uh, if you're a Sooner. So Texas and Oklahoma both kind of reeling here after the Red River rivalry. Um, North Carolina they lose a heartbreaker at home to a one win now two win Virginia Cavaliers team. So just uh, this game, you know, we talked about. We talked about some of these last week. You know, I didn't really feel like there was too many good games on paper in the preview, and it turns out there was uh, a lot of uh, fugly wins, fugly losses, and this is a fugly loss. <clears throat> so I believe North Carolina was 10th this past weekend. I'm not sure what they are now, but it's not looking good for them. I mean, I mean you know, they were you know pushing for the ACC. Uh, we'll see where they're at now. Probably out of the running for that. Um, Tennessee's magic seems to have disappeared. You know they had a uh, they had a lot of hype last year. Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton coming in uh, at the end there. You know they lose to Alabama and and Joe Milton. You know te- they they lean at halftime and then Bama. Phew, they must have stole signs or something because Bama just pulled away in the second half. Tennessee couldn't do anything. And after Tennessee, you know, punted the ball on their first two drives in the second half, you knew it was over. Bama scored on both of them. And uh, chops, game, set, match. Uh, Lastly here, this is the other quarterback that's probably lost uh, a lost cause in their Heisman, is uh, Caleb Williams. Now 0-3 versus Utah all time. And 
didn't look great in this game either. And Utah takes with this one against the uh, the Trojans. So, yeah, I mean, not much I really can expand on that. Just Caleb Williams just sitting on the sidelines, head down, distraught. Um, let's look at USC's remaining schedule here. Uh, let's see here. <coughs> I think we talked about it last week. We talked about one Pac-12 team. So USC this weekend has got to go to uh, 3-4 and four California. USC is now 6-2, number 24 in the country. Um, so USC has dropped two in a row here to, to uh, top 20 teams. They, uh, like I said, it's not going to get any easier for them. So on the road to California, as mentioned, then they host number five Washington at night primetime game then they travel to uh Oregon that game time is yet to be determined and then they come home and host UCLA which is 23rd in the country that time uh, yet to be determined so the next four games like two of them are against top 10 opponents as we speak so yeah I uh I think you probably could write UCF UCF USC off the rest of the year you know, barring a, a four game, I mean, if Caleb Williams wins the Heisman, he's got to win four of these, all four of these games, and win the Pac-12. Has to, absolutely has to. It's uh, it's do or die for USC. So that's where we're at for this past weekend. When we come back, I'm gonna give you the whole spiel from my point of view, my honest take about the uh, Connor Stallion story. And uh, the whole sign ceiling thing. We're going to read an ESPN article that did come out at 3 o'clock by Pete Thamel. And we'll kind of do it organically. We'll see how we do. All right. See you in a minute. Play action. McCarthy out of the pocket. It's touchdown number four. A.J. Barner finds Pater for the Wolverines. All right, ladies and gents. Let's get into the nitty-gritty here. Let's get into... Connor Stallions and this whole damn thing. We didn't talk about it last week. Let's talk about it now. <clears throat> Let's just do this organically. We're going to read part of this article from Pete Thamel and Marsh Slayblock on ESPN. Because this is what's got everybody talking. So everyone, if you haven't been living underneath a rock the last week and a half, two weeks, obviously know uh what's been going on so actually it's been five days really so let's get into this so earlier today at 3 10 p.m eastern here's the story connor stallions the suspended michigan staffer at the center of the ncaa science stealing probe purchased tickets in his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different big 10 schools sources at 11 different schools told espn the scope of the university's, or excuse me, the scope of the University of Michigan's alleged science stealing operation includes both video evidence of electronics prohibited by the NCAA to steal signs and a significant paper trail, sources told ESPN. Stallions forward the tickets he bought to at least three different people in different areas of the country, sources say, which hints at the breadth of the operation. So last week we talked about, or, um, or on uh, the Facebook page, it's, we talked about how this was a vast network, and then Connor's name came out after that. So it's like, oh, so we went from a vast network to just Connor. So that, I guess, in a way, 
elaborates on that. The NCAA is expected to receive video evidence this week of illegal technology used in scouting tied to tickets purchased by Stallions, according to sources. An opposing Big Ten school looked up in a stadium surveillance video from a game earlier this year, and sources said the person in the seat of the ticket purchased by Stallions held his smartphone up and appeared to film the home team sideline the entire game. Now, real quickly, everybody going to get, now I'm not, again, this is just me commenting on this. I'm not defending anything. I'm, you know, this is just my reaction. Everybody that goes to games nowadays, even concerts, we all use our phones. We video, video record plays in hopes that you catch the touchdown or whatever, or you're trying to capture something for Snapchat, blah, blah, blah. So if a, if a same surveillance video, you know, let's just say the surveillance video is at like Michigan Stadium. There's 110,000 people in there. I mean, that's pretty damn pinpoint accurate if you can find out exactly where he's sitting and from that high up in the distance because i'm sure the camera is on top of the stadium wall you know how can you from that distance show what exactly he's recording now if he's if that person is sitting there and they're recording like the entire game i mean that's dedication, because I can, like, when I go to a concert, my arm's getting tired after, like, a minute and a half. So, to me, that's interesting. Is like, how are they going to be able to determine what he's filming from that high up for that long period of time? And, you know, they say from both sides of the, the stadiums on the 45, 50-yard line whatever, like, devil's advocate here, kind of, like, Maybe his friends just want to have good seats. You know what I'm saying? You can make that argument. But, again, <clears throat> if you're trying to do the sign ceiling, you know, where you want to be in the middle of the field, blah, 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 whatever. So, that's just my give and take there on, on that. Um, sources confirmed to ESPN that Stallions purchased tickets on both sides of the stadium across from the, each bench for Ohio State's game with Penn State on Saturday. Michigan plays both these teams in upcoming weeks. Duh. According to sources, the tickets purchased by Stallions were not used Saturday. Stallions' name emerged publicly in the ESPN story Friday. He was suspended with pay by Michigan. So again, you've been under a rock if you haven't heard about the story, but it's not a week and a half or old. It's literally five days, right? So Friday. Stallions did not respond to ESPN's request for comment. No shit. Michigan on Monday reiterated that it is unable to comment further due to the ongoing investigation. Again, this is just absolutely... Hilarious to me because just like the whole hamburger gate with with Jim Harbaugh, he can't comment on it. His attorney can issue a statement, but he but Jim Harbaugh can't comment on it or he'll get in trouble. But the NCAA can control the narrative and leak this, leak that. Pete Thamel and the rest of these cronies can, you know, talk about all they want. No shit, Michigan can't talk about this or they won't talk about it it's because they're not allowed to. So again, that to me is another part of the story that is just mind baffle or mind boggling to me, just baffling, right? I'm flabbergasted. <clears throat> the Big Ten Conference considers the integrity of competition to be the utmost importance. Due to the ongoing nature of the uh, of the NCAA investigation, the conference has no comment at this time. The league said in a statement Monday, Michigan is ranked number two in the AP poll, looking for its third consecutive trip to the college football playoff. It is the current betting favorite to win the national title. Not to mention what we just talked about this past weekend. How about Caleb Williams and Penix Jr. having stinker games? Jaden McCarthy is now a favorite to win the Heisman. 
Sources indicated that signs forwarded tickets to at least three other individuals with ticket transfers showing up through ticket data tracking. Those tickets were used by individuals other than Stallions to get into the game, including the one in the video the NCAA is expected to, to receive. Sources told ESPN last week an elaborate scouting system and that appears to be emerging less than a week after Yahoo Sports reported that the NCAA was investigating Michigan scouting. Stallions often purchased the tickets with his own credit card, according to sources. The sources added that the tickets at multiple venues were bought via online retailers such as StubHub or SeatGeek. The ticket purchase fall into a seat location pattern somewhere around the 45-yard line and raise up enough for a clear view of the opposite sideline. One source told ESPN that Stallions bought five tickets to, or excuse me, bought tickets to five different games at the school at that school over the past three years. Another said it was four games over the past two years. A third source said it was nine games over the past three years. Some of the purchases were single tickets, other words for multiple people, and sometimes seats were bought on both sides of the stadium near midfield. One source said Stallions bought some tickets across, across from the home sideline in order to scout the home team, which Michigan played that season. But the source added there have also been tickets purchased on the other side of the stadium facing the sideline of the opponent, including the one excuse me, including one purchase across from the visiting sideline in the weeks before Michigan played Ohio State. The back half of last season, for example, tickets were bought by Stallions on both sides for a one-league game in which Michigan had both opponents remaining on the schedule. So again, <clears throat> if Michigan, if, if Jim Harbaugh knew that there was a third party there recording games and giving intel to Stallions, and Stallions was obviously executing and, and using that for game planning or science stealing. If Jim Harbaugh knew, I will walk, I would give you my word. I will literally walk away from Michigan football right now. Why? Because Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football allegedly, supposedly stands for integrity, you know, you know, family, fatherhood, football, all the, all the, all the, values and virtues of like being a good person, right? All, all the above and beyond stuff. So if he's, if he's already, you know, he already came out and said, Oh, I didn't have, I didn't know any knowledge of the sign ceiling, stuff like that. You know, <clears throat> you take his word for it. I'm trying to, but again, if this, if, if there is knowledge of all this going on and then you, you know, utilizing everything, you know, I, to me, there, there will be, you know, Michigan State's been joking about it and, and trolling on, on Twitter a lot since Friday about the app being an asterisk next to everything. But these these last two and a half years or whatever are gonna feel a little cheated. You know what I'm saying? That's just my that's just me personally, you know, because I wanna go out and win the right way. I wanna go out and you know, it's yeah, you know, a lot of people have been like, Oh yeah, Michigan, you know, we're happy that they're finally pushing the envelope if this is you know. But again, it's like you don't want anything to do with something to come back and get taken away. Like Louisville's national championship, which I believe was against Michigan in 2013. You know, I don't want Michigan to go out and finish this year, win the national championship, JJ to win the Heisman for all to just then, you know, have to be vacated or something to be punished by here. And, and again, to me, there's going to be, it's not going to be, the feeling of fulfillment won't be there. This is what I'm trying to say, right? That's just me being honest.
Um, so again, he's got at least three people. So you either got one of these guys going to the games on one side, another on the other side, or they are, you know, maybe he's sitting on the home side for the first half, goes the other side for the second half. Maybe he rotates per quarter. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe again, you know, he's just buying, his friends are just buying tickets. Someone joked online about using the military discount. Maybe they're just going there and watching the games. But again, it's like, after a while, you know, how many times do you got to go to teams that are just kind of random in the conference? You know what I mean? So, again, if Jim knew, Jim knows, that's pretty, that's pretty scandalous, pretty shitty. But if this dude is going out and just taking, taking the reins for himself and uh, it's unbeknownst to the rest of the Michigan staff, I mean... Like, do you still punish Jim for not having control of his kingdom? You know what I mean? Um, so let's get back to the article. Let's keep reading. So officials around the Big Ten uh, are upset, according to sources, as allegations of this type of coordinated and orchestrated capturing of signals looms as distinctly different allegations than gamesmanship of attempting to decode signals from across the sideline. In-game stealing is not prohibited, prohibited under NCAA rules. So, pretty. I bet you a lot of teams in the NCAA try to sign steal, right? Okay, it happens. But the problem here, again, obviously is in person about a team that you're playing on that schedule and with technology. The first NCAA rule in question is scouting in opposing stadiums, which has been in place since 1994. The second potential being broken evidence of which had not been reported prior, could mean that Michigan violated Article 11, subsection H of the NCAA football rulebook, any attempt to record either through audio or video means, any signals given by an opposing player, coach, or other team personnel is prohibited. It's uncertain who is funding the purchases, because, again, this is another interesting part. Stallions is making 55000 per year, according to the University of Michigan's website, but the operation included thousands of dollars in ticket sales and the cost of travel to the stadium. So, uh, that, that is, that's going to be the part that I'm waiting for the elaboration on because is a booster paying for this. I mean, does this dude just have a ridiculous, like savings from being, you know, an, a former active service member? Or does he have a good 401k that he's cashing out? Does he just have a stupid amount of credit card, uh, leeway? I don't know, but that's crazy because, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm going to the Michigan Penn State game here in a few weeks. <clears throat> now I'll be front. I'll be frank with you. So between, I bought four tickets on. I believe it was. I believe it was SeatGeek. I believe it was SeatGeek. I can't remember. It was on. Shoot, I I have I bought tickets this year to the season opener. I think it was it was either Vivid or Seeking. Um, so between four tickets and dividing a hotel room amongst four people was three eighty five a person. So the tickets were like nine forty one to go to the Penn State game, and then it was like five ninety seven for the hotel for two nights. Leaving, staying Friday, staying Saturday after the game, of course, come home Sunday. 
So, um, it's like $1,300, And so, like, after a while there, you're talking, like, was it one of them said something about 11 times in a season? You know, <clears throat> pretty much so far as of right now, the Big Ten is all kind of within driving distance per se, unless you're talking from, like, Nebraska to Rutgers. Um, obviously, we don't have the Pac-12 teams in here yet, but... I mean, for the most part, it's all drive time, but still, I mean, we're talking a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, that is going to be the part that I, I'm really interested to see what gets elaborated elaborated on. 50000 per year, you know, that's like, that's barely above the national average uh, in terms of salary. I learned that on Bar Rescue. Uh, but, but, yeah, let's keep reading. So, even if the school doesn't sell the ticket directly, it can electronically trace the tickets to school's home game, sources said, including the time the person entered. School officials around the Big Ten began to trace Stallions' purchases on Friday, soon after the ESPN uh, soon after ESPN named Stallions as a person of interest. In the NCAA's probe, early Friday morning, sources said the NCAA has interest in his computer as part of the investigation. The schools began discovering Stallions had bought the tickets himself, and it raised suspicions because either the home school or visitors were future Michigan opponents. Stallions is a former captain in the United States Marine Corps who boasted on LinkedIn uh, of his knack for identifying and exploiting critical vulnerabilities and centers of gravity in the opponent scouting processes. He had been a volunteer at Michigan, according to the LinkedIn, from 2015 to 2022 before being hired full-time in May 22. So that's another that's another interesting tidbit. So he volunteered from 2015 to 2022. So how much was he involved in those times? Was he on payroll? He's a volunteer, so he wasn't on payroll yet. So he wasn't on payroll till last May. And Mission success really hasn't been turned around since uh, the 2021 season. So soon after ESPN identified him as a central part of the probe, he erased multiple social media accounts. Now, you might find that shady, but um, to me it's smart because you want to be forthcoming in the process of the investigation. However, you know, you also don't want to have people online, you know, getting a hold of that and just pummeling your DMs, you know, I'm sure that would be stressful for anyone. So, I mean, you have to face the music at some point. But again, I, I don't I don't find that particularly shady. I just find that, you know, try to, you know, give yourself a little breathing room because I'm, I'm you know, high school commits get their dms flooded constantly from psychopaths on twitter i mean i can only imagine what his inbox could look like now you know so michigan was already involved in an ncaa investigation for alleged illegal recruiting during the covid19 dead period has pledged full cooperation with the with the latest investigation there's no precedent to indicate what any potential punishment would be for michigan or coach jim Har harbaugh as the ncaa enforcement has never seen a case of scope and sign stealing so, again, people are already, do, oh, this is just as bad as the Houston Astros. Let's just wait till everything is is fully on the table here before we start comparing it to uh, 
to other things. And again, Houston was able to keep their championship. So, you know, does Michigan keep their potential national championship or Big Ten titles? We, you know, we don't know. <coughs> um, the allegations against Michigan could be greater than what we got in New England Patriots and trouble, blah, 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 Spygate scandal, blah, 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 2007. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, talking as, you know, we've already kind of discussed in the previews about this potentially being Jim Harbaugh's last hoorah, his last dance per se with, with, uh, the NCAA. And then he goes to the NFL because of, uh, all the, uh, prior NCAA stuff going on, you know, maybe this is just going to be the nail in the coffin. Maybe it's just, we're going to just put it all on the line here these last two months and just, uh, try to win it all. And then post, post, post season, I'm out fellas deuces, you know, um, this last bit here. The potential of these allegations being added to the NCAA case could increase Harbaugh's exposure to punishment by the NCAA's head coaching or head coach responsibility rules, which essentially state that the head coach is responsible for everything that happens in his program, whether they are aware of it or not. So, again, that's something I mentioned earlier um, is even if he didn't have knowledge, you know, what are the intricacies of, of, of this, you know, third-party stuff? Um Harbaugh said after the Michigan's 49 win over Michigan State, there's been stuff, there's been attempts to diminish the team in a lot of ways, starting with an easy schedule. They just play. He denied last week about illegally stealing signals. Uh, he goes on to say, I do not have any knowledge or information regarding the University of Michigan football program illegally stealing signals, nor have I directed any staff member or others to participate in off-campus scouting assignment. He said on Thursday, I have no awareness of anyone on our staff having done that or having directed that action. Um, Michigan has a bye this week before playing Purdue at home on November 4th. So, again, this is going to be really interesting, um, this this bye week. This is going to be, you know, these next four days. Because we had, we had you know, the report on Friday. We had an update today. These next four days are going to be really telling. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. I've, I've said what I've uh, been meaning to say. I'm, if you're you're on the Facebook page, I did post a pretty lengthy thing. And it's the reason why it's not on the on the Twitter is because it's far exceeds the uh, the character limit. But I gave my my honest assessment there uh, after the news Friday. Not much has changed. You know, I was a little I was a little nervous when the story first came out, but then, you know, really reading into it, absorbing everyone else's opinions and really trying to just gather as much information as possible and really kind of to chew on it a little bit. And I posted one of my thoughts, you know, now again, I just, it's just more questions than answers at this point. And again, it, to me, it's just, I think we could all agree. The NCAA is just, a, is just part mafia. And they can leak. These guys can have all the sources they want. And the accused just has to sit in the corner and take everything. The NCAA, in my opinion, wants to shape the narrative. They want to shape the perception of everything. And 
as of right now, they're succeeding. Everyone is is biting this hook, line, and sinker. Um, and just like with with the Pat Fitzgerald thing, the hazing allegations, and with the Mel Tucker, you know, Brenna Tracy story, when I gave my opinions on those, I gave my fair and honest, uh, um, my fair and honest opinions there as well. So with Pat Fitzgerald, it's like you hear all the stuff he's, that is being alleged and you're like, oh, okay, that's horrible. And then you hear Pat Fitzgerald respond and you're like, okay, I kind of believe him. It's like you don't, with that whole thing, it's like didn't know who to believe, but seems to be that's over and done now. I, I think he was suing the university what have you, and there was enough witnesses where it's like, dude, that really did happen. But then, again, when he comes out with his rebuttal, it's like, dude, I don't know, me personally, I'm mean, like on the, on the fence with that. When with the Mel Tucker thing, to me, it's like, I think he was kind of done dirty in a way. Um, and, you know, when he came out with his response, it's like, it's just, you just kind of like, you're my, my, first, my, the, the monologue in my head was like, damn, you know, like you, I, I don't want to, it's not saying I want to believe him, but you hear from him and he just sounds confident. He's like, Hey, I got receipts. And so that's still ongoing. And with the whole Mel Tucker, it's like, buddy, you can't, I'm not, you, you can't tell someone who they can't, you know, can and can't love or be affiliated with, but it's like, man, that is like, for me personally, that's just like, that's a really high risk move to get involved with somebody of that magnitude uh, when you're that high profile of a person. I don't know. It just, the war doesn't meet the risk. So anyways, <clears throat> we have concluded this article from Pete Thamel today. Not much else I can go on about this, but like I said, if Jim Harbaugh knew, that goes against everything that he's ever stood for. And I will unfortunately walk away from Michigan football indefinitely. I feel as a fan that I would be cheated. And again, my cousin who graduated from U of M already responded to me on Facebook for saying that and basically told me to relax. I'm overreacting. But again, I just, to me, that's just how I feel personally. Um, but I think we're going to get to the point where, you know, whether you're aware of it or not, you got the keys of the castle. You are the leader of men. You are the, the the heart and soul, the face of everything this program is. And so when that's done on your watch, under the radar or not, you have to take responsibility. Same thing, like, like again, the Papsterial thing is like, said that he denied any knowledge of anything. Whether he knew about it or not, that happened in your locker room. Uh, same thing with the with the Beauchamp Beckler thing. You had all these players say that Dr. Anderson was abusing them, and all it was was sorry, you know, suck it up, essentially. So I don't know. It, it, we'll see how it is, though. But like dudes like Brandon Walker on Barstool, it, they're such clowns. They're such clowns. And the only reason why I say they're clowns. Is just because they're any other they're, they're other takes 
just in general are just baloney in my opinion. So when they spout off, it's it's just uh it's just annoying. But either way, um, like I said last week's uh episode in last week's episode, we have a bye week this Saturday. So my goal is to put out a sports documentary review uh, at some point. Um, and then we will get into the Purdue preview uh, next Monday or Tuesday. Um, that game just got announced today that it's at 7.30 under the lights in the big house. So, uh, yeah. So we'll talk Boilermakers next Monday or Tuesday. And later this week, we'll have a uh, the first sports documentary review. And uh, so, yeah. Anyways, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. And if you're not on the socials, please head over to the Facebook, follow us there. Twitter, uh, or slash X, is at SE underscore, uh, excuse me, at SE underscore MI underscore pod, all uppercase letters. And then, uh, again, free and available wherever your podcast. Thank you for listening. Please share to other Michigan fans. And hopefully when we get this uh, sports documentary review out, we uh, tap into another demographic and hopefully you guys enjoy it. It'll be my first one ever. So um, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, you guys have a good one. Go blue. And uh, God, I hope this ends soon. (laughs) Peace.